Hey everyone, this is Maddie Kay with the Working Experience Podcast. The Working Experience. Time, weather, and Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... And clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Okay, so welcome to another uh, Working Experience Podcast. I'm sitting here with um, three people who uh, I've actually known for quite some time and somebody I haven't seen in a long time but met in my incarnation as a grip. Uh, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves, maybe just uh, say what you do. Where want, Mike, you want to start? I'm Mike. I'm a board op in the film and TV world in New York. And um, I work for a union in lighting, lighting technician, and that's what I do right now. Certainly are a lighting technician. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Shanti, and I'm a production manager for TV shows. For TV shows, and? Some of my friends call me Uncle Eddie. Uncle Eddie. And I have worked in the film industry for a lot of years as an electrician and a best boy and a gaffer. So, um, these guys, I mean, I have my own stories from that time. These guys have worked for much longer than I have, but, uh, Eddie had a really, has a really good one that I'd like him to share. Uh, people that we all know and maybe loved, I don't know. Yeah, so I never really expected this to happen. I was working on a rock video. I mean, I expected that to happen, of course. And... The star of the rock video was a fair, pretty well-known pop star, but I had met her when she did her very first rock video, and it was several years later, and she was dating a very well-known rapper, pop star, R&B. personality. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, we're on the set, we're lighting the set, the singer comes in, it was Whitney Houston, and she said... Well, she didn't say anything at first, but when I spotted her, we were done lighting, so I walked over and I said, Hey, Whitney, you may not remember me, but I was the gaffer on your very first video. And she was very personal and nice and smiled and shook my hand. And then I went back to my you know, place behind the camera, and the gaffer said, Those guys want to talk to you. And those guys were Bobby Brown's posse. <laughs> and what they wanted to say was, Hey, man. Bobby doesn't want you talking to this woman. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby doesn't want you talking to this woman. You know, coincidentally enough, a friend of mine is an editor, or he's a producer now, but he started as an editor, and he did Being Bobby Brown. Wow. He did that whole series. Wow. And he would see tons of B-roll of Bobby Brown. And he said, you know, obviously he's a little crazy. But he said he saw him, like, handing cash to people sometimes. Like, people would come up and have some story and... So, I don't know. Well, when you're a player, sometimes yeah. you hand out cash and you uh, tell people to shut up. And tell the best player that <laughs> trick not to talk to your woman. And don't talk to my woman. Yeah. So. Uh, all went well. We made the video. Yeah. 
music videos where Mike and I worked on a fair share. <laughs> Hip hop videos were always worse. We had a couple, but I learned worse. quickly they were not. They were not worth it. It was pretty crazy. I remember, remember one video tone? was. What's that? Remember the reggae tone craze? And those videos were worse than. I didn't work on any of them. I worked on one, and it was an absolute horror show. But I did get to meet Fat Joe. He was. I liked him. He was a good guy. One of the last ones I worked on was called, uh, the video's name was called Bounce. And that's exactly what my check did. <laughs> and, was this when you guys went to court? Yep. Yeah. And I, technically, I don't think I can speak about it, but I'll say it anyway because it's been so many years. The statute of limitations is probably up. Uh, yeah, that's probably true too. So we, yeah, like, you worked 23 no. hours. No. God paid a check and it bounced, right? So my boss who hired me basically dropped off the face of the planet because he was probably in cahoots with the producer. And so we actually got together. Was this, what's his face? I know this guy. He was You know which producer? Oh, the gaffer. Oh, the gaffer. Gaffer was a non-union, notoriously crummy gaffer and shady guy yeah. himself. I can't remember his and name right now. I, I know his name. What's his name? Um, maybe I don't. Uh... Well, anyway, we'll get back to him. So you guys went to court. Oh, actually. Al Rivera. Al Rivera, right. that's that his yes. favorite thing. And Al was... Yeah. He's a shady... shady. That wasn't a big part of the story. He just dropped off the face of the planet. And then I realized, okay, I can't do anything about this with him. And then um, found out through the grapevine that I guess some other coworkers had the same issue. We got together and met as a company or as a group. And then the DP and the editor were there as well. And it became this much bigger thing that actually allowed us to throw a class action lawsuit at the record label. Mm -hmm. So we pressured the record label to settle, to make the producer settle with um, the crew. Because the DP uh, was had a separate suit for his credit or getting paid as well, and the editor hadn't gotten paid, but had stupidly given the video, the physical video, to the record label, and they were already airing it in MTV Europe, which is apparently like a. Um, and then there was another piece of it too, where they hadn't gotten talent releases from background. And there's a whole big thing for, like, if you air a video and don't have talent releases, that's a big problem, too. So all this was stated in a letter of intent to sue the record label. Um, and actually, the whole thing with the talent and the releases and airing it before they'd gotten that, I think, is what pressured them to make the producer pay us or settle it. More than not paying like 20 members, oh, 30 members paid. of the crew. We did get paid. It was a settlement and the DP and director and editor took like a cut in their rates, which was way higher than what we were getting yeah. as, as like a grip or electric yeah. or a camera assistant or whatever. So it wasn't a funny end to the story, but we actually did get our, we did get paid. And if, but you, we had to stuck it, stick it out and pay some money to the lawyer to yeah, file yeah, yeah. claims and stuff. And, and he ended up, we did end up getting paid. It was stupid though. It was really silly. Not a funny story, but. Well, a really funny story is the bread story. We got to hear that story. The bread story. So 
so some years ago so can you can you just sort of describe like your job like yes what? so what happened was I had been working in New York for about a couple years I moved to Florida from Florida to New York and I found the opportunity of a lifetime to work at a production company that seemed really busy so I wouldn't have to freelance as much and yeah. I would be able to be a staff or a production manager that would have different projects with this one person and um, the owner was the writer director executive <laughs> producer HR department you name it it was all him so all of my interactions were pretty much with this person every day now I heard from what Mike said he would contact you like literally any hour of the day or night yes and uh, after this experience I realized that maybe if I wanted to get a job as a psychologist one day why not um, but this story is funny because it was in the first week my first week at the job when, when I didn't know yet what was in store for me at, at that company and I'm talking to this person who has this vision about his films and very knowledgeable very smart and when we are uh, leaving from a meeting he says oh can we can we walk on 6th Avenue because I'm a bit hungry. I said, sure, I mean, we can get something to eat, no problem. So we're walking and he, <laughs> we're just talking and we walk in to this, it's kind of like a Panera or one of these chain restaurants. And I get a menu to look at the different options and he goes, like he kind of goes, bypasses the line. And he goes to the place where people are waiting for their order. So I tell this person, hey, you." He's like, no, 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 that's fine. And he proceeds to grab a piece of bread from the bread basket that is for the people who already placed their order, right? And he's talking to me while he's like grabbing the bread and eating it. And he's like, I'm gonna just gonna grab it. And he goes, grab one, just grab one. And I was like, well, I don't think. So he's stealing the bread. He's stealing the bread. And I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I generally don't like judging people. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it's fun to judge people, but Absolutely. I, I was trying my best not we to. All judge well, him. he was my boss, you know, yeah, it's kind yeah. of awkward. Yeah. Uh, but I, I couldn't help to remember that there's this uh, concept in Judaism about taking something that is not yours. And what I thought that was the best part of the story is that this concept is called the bread of shame. So the story right now and forever. Will Do you be mean perfect. theft? Theft of bread. Um, I mean, like taking something that's not yours. It's yeah, theft. A theft could be a part of it. it okay. it's, it's a more. It's spiritually. Um, I see. Kind of getting something from someone that one is not entitled to, which could be theft. So the story is called. I interrupted you. The story is called bread of shame. Bread of shame. Yes, uh, and the funny thing is that uh, a. a couple of weeks after he kept doing it so he would do this repeatedly oh yeah like it was, it like was a like ritual yes like a nervous tick almost i think it was more about the satisfaction of not getting caught so and, he would walk kind of in like a secret yes he would he walk, walk in, into the same place same place same place every day like or often maybe not every day i, but I, I may say every other day every other day and he would just go straight to the bread basket and no one ever said anything to him in the store no one said anything but like about a month after i had started working at, at his company i realized that uh, I, I went by this place and i realized that they had removed their bread basket 
Because he was Sure. Now this guy comes from a lot of money, from what I understood. A lot of money, and that is the um, that is the ironic part of it. Isn't that like what psychopaths do or sociopaths? Isn't that like you could, one of you those could things? think so? You could think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, anyways. Um, but yes, that was that was an experience to remember, um, and then little things like uh, we would have to order pens all the time because the pens would just be on the floor and kind of like torn apart and I was thinking like what is happening is the cleaning crew not cleaning them correctly and at one time I get to the office Wait, and you he, mean your your boss's pants were left pens, all over pens pens pens, pens. <laughs> pens. Okay, people don't know I'm not from the US originally like so pens. That's like, pens so I was like what's up with these pens so we have to order them like the PAs have to order them every day um, but when I, I saw like my, my boss was just like chewing on them, kind of like going to town with the pens. How'd that make you feel with all the pens that were on your desk that you were you using? <laughs> um, I removed the caps. <laughs> CDC pens. Was it been <laughs> Was it caps or was it the whole pen? It was it was uh, the bottom of the pen and the cap. So he would, he would chew them and throw them on the floor? Yes. <laughs> like Repeatedly, well, like how many pens a day? But he's the writer. He's the right, writer. Right, right. He's a genius. <laughs> so, yeah, how many pens are we talking about? I, a day I think we're like talking five? about no, like three pens, but still. Three pens a day. Imagine three yeah, pens a day is like fifteen a week. And you just throw them on the floor. Yeah. For the cleaning crew to wait, wait, but a cleaning crew crew comes every night to clean up. So that means daily, from like when he arrives, three new pens end up on the floor, and then the cleaning crew comes at night to clean it, right? I mean, you would think so, but I would still see them on the floor. Maybe it was like a passive-aggressive thing. Well, that he was. well maybe he, he <laughs> did it so frequently that they would clean it up at night, and there's, he'd come in in the morning and already and have three pens through chewed through. Maybe he was just making sure they came at night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was like the Skittles mm, contract. Skittles in, in, contract. Who was it? Aerosmith Skittles Van contract? Halen. It was that, that was Van Halen. Van Halen. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, wait. They had the yellow <laughs> M&Ms. It's just the same thing. The concept. It's probably the same I don't know. It's probably a con- the concept of it. Like they said no yellow M and M's, but it wasn't Van Halen. It was their manager. Yeah. So he would know if they actually read the contract. Yeah, the right. Had nothing to do with the M and M's. It was. It was just a yeah, kind of. A it was to make sure you technically yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had a name for it. Yeah, I forget what it was, but it was like because there was so much technical stuff they had to know that like if he saw yellow M and M's, he would realize. Or yeah. didn't see them, or whatever it was. I, I would like to think that there was a method behind the crazy. Did this guy actually like produce films? Like, were there actually yes. films that got yes. made? Yes, there were um, uh, films for TV. Mm-hmm. So, how long did you work for? I could only work for him for nine months because that was the most that any human being could. Uh, well, survive. how long? How long had your had the other assistants? worked for him did you ever find out um so actually we had a joke with the super from the office building because every time that he would see me he was like you're still there <laughs> <laughs> so what so he would contact you 24 hours a day um not 24 hours a day but it was in the weekends random emails maybe disclosing too much information maybe personal information oh like what um, like your ears just peaked. <laughs> well, this is always the stuff that it's like. Why are you emailing me those? You're a dog. Your ears just went exactly. like, yeah. up to the. Well, roof. He, I, 
I think it was kind of. Let me think. Wouldn't he like dump all these anxiety That's and all this thing. personal yeah. stuff on you? <laughs> he would, he would, it was it was too much. It was tell him about tell him about he wanted you to run that errand or something, right? And you were like, listen, I don't. This is way beyond well, work. I will not say what errand, but it was something that a loved one should have done. Buying condoms. Right. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Tell them I thought it was It was picking him up from the hospital. Yeah. That's a little intimate. And <laughs> that's it, it a little felt, weird. It felt it felt but that he was wanted kind of you, like, it's needy. He's he sounds very needy. Yeah, he was he was very needy. Well and he couldn't get a cab or he couldn't get his wife to do that's it. That's not the point. That's, that's not, not the point. Oh wait, he was married? Yes. But he was, wanted you to pick him up from the airport. Yes. Right, right. In your own vehicle? No, I, I'm vehicle? guessing that no, I didn't have a vehicle at the time, but I'm guessing like an like an Uber or a taxi, which is what I told him to get by himself. By the mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no real justification for it. No, there that. wasn't. That's weird. So yeah. it, it came it became apparent to me that I really needed to get <laughs> out of there. So, so what I was did. the final? What was the breakup? Uh, <laughs> I just think it was it was the <laughs> combination of everything, and um, after I left and I found. Uh, work in a completely different side of the industry because now I'm in animation so yeah. you can say I'm a little bit jaded yeah. uh, from live action after I found a new job he would keep texting or emailing <laughs> like, <laughs> ra- like random questions just to make sure that there was any kind of communication maybe yeah. like if I was his friend keep the lines of right. communication right and, and, and we need to point. order three more boxes of things <laughs> <laughs> Shantri, could you uh, could you take care of this? I only really trust yeah, you with this. Our new assistant's not that great. I know you'll get it done. This this new one, these pens are unacceptable. I can't chew them. I am just not. They're hard. That tastes good. No, they're too hard. The texture. They taste better when you're here. It's well. This is this is what's fascinating. It's like okay, I'm trying to run a you know like documentary company yeah. or a financial institution, yeah. or, and then people's like weirdo stuff. Like you, you can't hide it forever. Some right. people can hide it for like twenty four hours, and that's about it. Yes, no, this person could not. Um, and this person would either uh, fire people like really often, or have his crew quit on him. So what? How did you go in and say, "Hey, listen, I I got to move on"? Or uh, basically, yes, I started interviewing. Did you and tell him face to face? I would have. No, him. but I think. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, when I got when I got the new job, my mom wanted me to go in and get my stuff with my friend because <laughs> she didn't want me to go by myself and talk about <laughs> makes complete sense. Yeah, um, Casey had a meltdown. Right, exactly. Hostage situation. Just yeah. well, I made sure there were no pens on the floor. Yeah, yeah. In the <laughs> yeah. Inside. Uh, so you had an office there, or a workspace, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you actually had to go clean out, and was was he there? Was there a well, I had to tell him that I that I was leaving. Right. And what was his reaction? Because I still, because I still have, you know, I had some ethical thing. Even if the bread thing happened, I really wanted to maintain my two weeks and all of that. Yeah. Um. When he, when I told him, it was kind of like a. It wasn't so much of a bombastic reaction as I I thought it would have been, uh, but he. He kind of paused and he then looked at me and he said, my life is falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) 
just Why is it upset to you? Anything less. And I just looked at him and I said, oh, I think that there's one person who will be okay through the end of time. I think that will be you. My life is I think falling that? apart. I really appreciated that. That's, that's, see, that's why I'm a total coward. I would have emailed. I would have, I would have just not shown up anymore. Well, the thing like, is that you know. I, I still got like texts and yeah. emails and, and, and a lot of emails were because, oh, this is great. He was upset because uh, a former employee or someone had posted a bad review of his company on Glassdoor. What's Glassdoor? It, it's a website where you can like post, a Yelp ish. Yes, but for jobs. Right. So well, it tells you like the company culture. Like this guy's a psycho. Yeah, whatever. but a lot of so places it's employees. So at the same yeah, time yeah, yeah. as you had left, the, just left the job, someone had posted that. Yes, but there were so many people that had interacted with this guy that it could have been truly anyone. So how did you feel about ruining his life? <laughs> so I, I had the power to ruin his life, yeah. but I chose not to because I wanted to move on. Well, you sort of did. I mean, his life was falling apart. He but said, that's true, that's true. But I, maybe he, he said my life is falling apart, so I guess you were part of that. You didn't destroy the part of the falling apart. He had it started before yeah. you were there. Right. And well, um, his wife, do you ever meet his wife? Yes. She seemed very lovely. Um, they always do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like who married this freak show? Yeah. Like you're such a nice person. I mean, like, I always you, ask myself that. Um, she thought he was going to change. Yes. Well, she, she would, would be the wife to do it. She would change. It. Well, I also think that uh, there's a thing of sh- of of course I'm not justifying him, but maybe it's an entitlement of oh I have employees so I can show whatever I want to these people of because I'm paying them and if I if I'm being really mean or nasty doesn't matter I don't know. The, the funny part was that... Take it up with HR, by the way. Yeah. Like the, the, <laughs> <laughs> Take it up with HR. HR Hello. <laughs> he just switched chairs. Welcome to the HR department. <laughs> Hi. He was, spin he around in your chair. Yeah, it was something like that. It's on a mustache yeah, and a pair of glasses. What seems to be troubling you, my dear? <laughs> I won't tell anyone. No, no, no. Um, when, when he sent me that email about... If I was the one posting on Glassdoor, I said, "Oh, so and so, I I could have done so much more than posting that." <laughs> so believe me when I say that was not me. And I also had to tell him, um, "I'm not your friend." And that was the end. He never contacted me. I'm again. not your friend. Yes. How old is this guy? I think he's in his forties. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your friend. <laughs> and he's home, face in the pillow. Yes. Wailing, and his wife's like, "Listen, she'll come around. You have plenty of friends, Brian. Send her a postcard. Yeah, yeah. Call her again. Call her again. Call her again. Do you want want a pen? (laughs) Here's your pen. I don't want that pen. (laughs) Do you want some free bread? You want some bread? You know what we'll do? We'll go to Panera and we'll steal some bread. You love that. You love that. You love that. It's not the same. There's a new bakery. You have a new chance. So, uh, Eddie, do you have another, uh, I mean, you, you must have a pretty good store. I've got a lot of stories. <laughs> they don't <laughs> really come to ass. mind that quickly. <laughs> I, well, did this, uh, I did this job that had a lot of crazy, stupid, nutty things happen, but they were embarrassing for a lot of the people and maybe the industry, but screw it, I'm going to tell a couple, I guess. Uh, 
want me to tell the story? I have some great interactions with um, that, like one week where I was a gaffer on a super low budget film with with the really well known director, DP, writer. With a uh, skinhead movie. Yeah, that guy. I had a lot of crazy interactions with that guy, but Tony guy. Yeah. He, I could tell a couple from him. They're really sorry. Tony, it really gets me going. Tony, when you listen to this podcast, uh, taking all this with a grain of salt. Management does not necessarily. What's that disclaimer they always put? Like you can cut his name out if you want. Yeah, uh, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect Maddie K or the working experience. Right. We can just. Go, I've just covered myself. We can just. <laughs> cut, we can just cut cut his name yeah, out. Yeah, I'll yeah. forget to mention, but I'll set it up like he was. He had done a really well-known movie in the indie world, or maybe got some box office acclaim too, so he became sort of like pretty famous, but then quickly blacklisted for that movie, and there's a lot of aura around him. I remember talking about the indie, the yeah, that, skinhead movie? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really think of that as an indie, wasn't it indie? I thought there was a, that seems to be a major... Okay, it was a major film. Video. It was a major film. Which I, I did not think was so great, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I grew up I in my head. Movie ish. In my head, I grew up thinking it was pretty wild because some of the things that happened in it were pretty, yeah. you know, edgy. And visually, some of it was edgy. So in my head, when I got the call, I was like, "Whoa, this guy, cool!" And they I, said it was a low budget movie. I knew it was going to be super low budget. I but you were still kind of coming up. I I was like on the fence about not working with him but just doing the job because it was going to pay so much less but yeah. I'll say okay sure I'll give it a shot I cancelled with other things I was doing and I had no meeting with the guy I was just speaking with him on the phone for five minutes is everything okay? yeah I just adjust the levels you didn't hit the I'm loud <laughs> erase button <laughs> <laughs> I, I just put it on pause while you're talking <laughs> so Great guys, do it again from the top. Oh, the first time I did this, that happened. Oh. You, have to, you, have to hit, you have to hit record twice. I didn't know that. Really? So about twenty-five minutes into it, and the thing's blinking, and I'm like, "It's blinking that it's on. not recording." Fortunately, it was just me and a friend. It's blinking is, that it's not recording. If it's blinking, it's on standby. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Anyway, when it's recording, I want to see like the biggest, yeah, I know, blinking crazy thing. Anyway. On the air, yeah. So that's what um, you need—a little on the air. So I'll, I'll just put in the background here. Usually, when or it was my experience, like you know, I started out PAing and then got paid like you know two hundred some odd to PA, but it still sucks. But then if Matt, you want what is a PA? Production assistant, which translates to piss boy, which you just have to work twenty-two hours. And oh yeah, it's a tough. It's, it's, it's rough, but it's it's, it's a good experience, I think, for. Anyone to have, but then a foot in the door. Like, let's say you want to be a grip, you got to kind of go back to the bottom of that ladder or work for free. At least that's what I had to do. I had to work for free and then kind of build up. And then, like, a good friend of mine is now a you know, he was really a premier grip, Chris, and then he wanted to be an AC, so he had to do a lot of jockeying to get that. Yeah, so with this job, it was like that too. Oh, you want to be a gaffer? Okay, you can right. do a super low budget right. job, right. which I had at the time I'd worked on as an electrician, come up and done all sorts of varieties of jobs. Right. So this was, do I want to step back at paid less and be a gaffer and start maybe start a career with people? Mm -hmm. 
as a gaffer, as a produce with these producers, with this DP director, something or other. So I said, sure. I had five minute conversation with him on the phone and I'd been told by other people who had worked with him previously on like music videos and stuff. And so I, I'm always a little weary of people who exclusively work on music videos for many years, but they, they said, well, oh, he's, he's fine. He just, he knows nothing about lighting. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's been, that's occurred before. Okay. Now for him to DP and direct, that is not unheard of, but it's a little rare. Yeah, it's rare. Right. I know he's, Soder doesn't Steven Soderbergh do that. Sure. Yeah. So you can. But this guy's not like Steven that. Soderbergh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And then uh, let me just say as a side note, what I loved hearing sometimes in like a no budget student film, I actually heard someone say, "Well, Stanley Kubrick does that." Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, and I guess you're right. Oh, Stanley on? Kubrick takes like 108 takes. Like, well, by all means, do 110 because that'll. <laughs> vastly improve this Put you right in moment <laughs> yeah. and the overall situation. Yeah. So anyway, back to the nut. He, we had a quick conversation. He was like, oh, I don't really know the names of lights, but I just want something quick we can do. And I was like, that's fine. I'll work with the budget of you know the movie and so we can rent some quick things to bring in. He's like, I don't give a fuck about anything. I just want to light the face. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can get little lights to light the face. It won't be a big production of, sometimes you make a very big lighting setup to get a very specific thing on, uh, you know, for a face or for a setup in a shot. But we, this would not be that job. Yeah. They didn't have the time, the money, right. or the equipment, or the know-how, or whatever. So I knew it was gonna be like, simple like that. So basically, very vaguely we were talking on the same page. I was like, sure. So we get to, the scout and I realized the, the director has been um, corralled for the past week on scouting with the first AD who's been his like chauffeur. He's literally been his like assistant taking him all over to see like people or to see things. And so this AD then walks up to us and we're on Queens Boulevard to scout a night scene and it's a night exterior, and the first AD walks up to us, and he's like, okay guys, um, before we talk about this, I have to explain that tone, that, um, that the director is very sad today, he had a personal situation, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, um, you cannot speak to him. <laughs> you can only speak to um, him if he speaks to you first. We're like, oh boy, brilliant. oh boy, absolutely brilliant. And oh, the other thing I have to say is like the camaraderie on a low budget job is very different. It's not like this. It's not like there's no divas because there's just no money to bring right. divas most of the time. So it's right. very, and it, it, people have a good time because they're just they're young and they want to. I was just very enjoy. Good. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was always good. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's how well, we met. You and I met. You yeah. and I met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's like you, you. I'm explaining it to the audience, but yeah. like you and I know it was like we had fun because you just kind of did, and and it was not this like monster mega lot mega something <laughs> ego <laughs> ego maniac crazy well, thing. Of the most most of the rewarding things I did was starting out in the evening. We got paid like a hundred bucks. It was at Lon Ray's house. Remember that? I. That was I great. I vaguely remember it was this on PBS. person's name. 
You're oh. Facebook friends with him, I think. Oh, the the film with Larry. Oh, that guy is great. I got stories about Larry. Well, that but that that movie that and arranged. The other movie that we did about the uh, two friends, yeah. they the, both made the it into theaters. The arranged marriage movie, yeah, and they were you great. And so yeah. much fun. And they're on net. Range is on Netflix. Yeah, still, I think. And that anyway. that one actor, uh, the, the one of the women, not the one playing Muslim, but uh, the other, she, I've seen her. She was in the uh, Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, when they were cops. I don't know. You know, it was like I'm. The Rock was in it. Samuel Jackson was in it at the beginning. They're, they're like Will Ferrell's this really inept cop. What's your point? Anyway, she was in it. She was in it for like I don't know two minutes, but it was like, oh wow, I remember that girl. So you know, she's doing well. But yeah, that's always a lot of fun. Those films. Yeah. So it was just funny to start the very beginning of the Tech Scout, of the very beginning of the whole show with like like that kind of comment. I was like, okay, I guess he's really <laughs> upset. You can't talk to yeah. your boss. But then suddenly I'm in the bullseye because the first thing he does say when he comes out, after the AD explained, like, this is a night scene, bus pulls up, night stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. But he's very vague, you know. The whole tech, tech scout, the whole point of the tech scout is to get the exact, as exact as you can about the who's going where, the angles, the cameras, and what you're ordering and what the equipment you want. And, like, that's the technical part of it. So he... Calls me out by name. Oh well, he says, "Uh, it's looking around at him, uh, <laughs> looking at people. Where's the gaffer? Where's my gaffer?" No one like, yeah, I'm like, I, I raised my Everyone's hand. Everyone's pointing. Well, actually, I think I was really enthusiastic. I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" And so I walk over to him, and he's like, "For this." For this scene, we're gonna need a light this big, and he's like, <laughs> "Can't see," but I'm holding my arms out as wide as they will physically go, which I guess is like six feet. And he was a taller guy, so maybe six and a half feet. I know they don't have money in a budget for a light that big. Whatever the light is, if there's no bulb in it, it's not even plugged in. They don't have the budget. You can get a balloon with it, get a bulb inside of it, and go. How's this? Exactly. So he goes. A light this big, and I'm kind of like, uh, and I start asking questions. <laughs> That's when it starts getting really weird because I say like, okay, well, do you want, you know, specifically, I start asking names of like types of lights. Do you want an HMI light? Do you want a tungsten light? An incandescent light? What do you want? Uh, well, and I go, okay, well, what are you going for? Are you trying to get moonlight? Are you trying to get like a light that looks like it's light effect uh, do I need to decide and it's like okay, <laughs> let's start from let's another get angle two lights everyone yeah. get two of the big ones okay yeah he's like I start from another I try it from another angle like okay well what another approach I mean I said like what's your you know what what lenses are you shooting with on this scene what film stock are you using He's like, what? I, why do? You, why do you want to know that? <laughs> I go, because I'm the gaffer, and you're trying to tell me what light to get, and I need to know how wide of a shot you're gonna be shooting, and how much light this needs to put out. Like, why do you need? You don't concern yourself with that. He kept saying, don't concern yourself with that. Don't concern yourself with that. Finally, asked me, and I said, it's because it's like that's my job. I need to kind of guess what you're figuring out here. And and then we go back to the thing of like, well. 
let's just not talk technical. Let's just explain, like, what are you going for? Like, do you want the moonlight? Do you want the overhead, the uh, street light? And he goes, well, isn't there, like, a something you can put over the light, like gelatin? <laughs> and he was right. He was sort of right. It's gel. Mm-hmm. You go, yeah, we can gel a light, but we want to get it right the first time. So did you figure out, like, what you want to do with this light? He's like, well, you know, don't... We'll just figure it out on the day. We could put like some really deep red gel on it, or we'll just put a really deep blue gel on it. And technically, that's like, yeah, you could, but you're gonna, you know, it's. I don't think he really pictured what he wanted to do. But then he, he said, oh, but you don't know. But in post production, I can color the shit out of that light. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do know, but it's not going to work exactly. You like don't that. know that. Yeah. You don't know that. So I think we just kind of sat there at the end of his like that statement. And he's like, all right, I'm done here. We're moving on. And we had many interactions like that that were throughout the text cut that were just like baffling. Because so this what guy happened was, with the actual shooting, like when he actually started shooting? Did the movie get finished? It got finished. It got released. It got released to like Netflix. Were um, you on the whole thing? You no, I quit after a week. <laughs> it was enough ridiculousness. I, I'd gotten enough stories, enough jokes. <laughs> I mean, enough entertainment for a week. And then I was like, this is just, I'm not even practicing the craft of being a gaffer. I'm not even managing a crew because I had one other guy. <laughs> we had literally two lights. That was his thing he kept saying. He's like, all right. On this job, it's it's going to be two lights for the whole movie. And I was like, I kind of didn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, two lights, sure. And because he would go to another location, a completely different type of setup. Like he would go to a night scene in a hospital interior. And he turned around to me and go, that same light out there at the street? And he would put his hands out that big. That one. <laughs> How same big was one. The light, the light was not that big. Same one in here. And then he'd just walk away. And I'd be like, what gigantic, ginormous light is he going to need in a hospital scene at night? Just massive eight-foot light. <laughs> you know, so for some he, reason, that reminds me of the story. I was working somewhere at a studio, and I kind of got to know. No, I was working on a very low-budget they had no art department. Art department always gets screwed badly. Like, because they have to move so much stuff. They get screwed, I think, on most Set dresses. Set dresses. Worse than anybody. So we kind of pitched in, helped him. And he was really appreciative. This guy, Brendan. Nice guy. Kind of young. <clears throat> so I saw him at a studio a few months later. And then he, um, he said, you know, there's a music video coming up. Maybe you want to key grip it. And I said, yeah, sure. You know. So he calls me up a week later. Like, he actually followed through. Like, how many times have you heard that? And you never hear from the person. So I said, cool. And he said, I gave him your name. They'll give you a call. So it was an instructive lesson about being nice to people, helping them out, whatever. Yeah. So I get this call. And he said, tell him you want 500 And I was like, for the day? Like, I was not a $500 a day guy. He said, just tell him that's what you want. And I said, all right. So they call me. And um, he said, what's your rate? And I said, 500 And they're like, okay, can we... Call you back, and I said sure. <clears throat> they called me back, and they said it's four fifty, okay. And I said yeah, sure. And I didn't even know what this was, I'm like just music video, whatever, some band. 
So we show up at the place. It's this room. Basically, it was Ron Paul's headquarters when he was running for president, like a while ago. Because you go, there's Ron Paul posters all over the place. It was this campaign spot. So, like, all right. So they show up with all these film school kids and these suitcases with lights, and they start pulling all the lights out. I'm like, whoa, guys, guys, like. They, they were calling me the gaffer. I'm like, I'm not the gaffer. I'm the key grip. Well, I was both, apparently. Then in walks Michael Should've Stipe. Asked double. <laughs> Michael Stipe walks in. Yeah. And I'm like, what is... Who, it was R.E.M. What? I'm like, what are you guys kidding me? Like, what is this? It's Michael Stipe and two other guys. I think their drummer has, like, a muscular disease, yeah. so he's not in the band anymore. And they did this song, and I was like... Okay, <laughs> so we're all sitting around, and it, you know, it was a pretty decent song. And then, like, we drove around the East Village in a van, like REM, me, two other people. We'd pull up at a restaurant, they would jump out, they'd go into the restaurant, and they're like, the production manager goes up to the manager of the restaurant, he's like, Hey, I've got REM, they just want to stand in the corner and play a song. <laughs> like, sure. So, and they go, we're like holding up these lights, and yeah, it was the weirdest experience. I was like, Okie doke. So well, now I see why they didn't really give you much details. No. No. They wanted you to do twice as much work for... So sometimes you end up with your situation, and yeah. sometimes you're like, wow, that was a cool job. You know, like right. 500 bucks cash, you know, that's not bad. So. It's a hit or miss. Yeah. But this guy was, long story short, he was basically, had no technical ability in, his, in the craft of shooting. So it was... He was the writer, he was the director, he was the operator, he was the director of photography. And he met craft service. He also did crafty. <laughs> he was ridiculous. He Air was makeup wardrobe. He was operating 35mm camera, which even in the days uh, this was shot, there was HD cameras that could have totally done what he wanted. But he had that vision. He had the vision of needing 35mm film. And he was known... To have shot record amounts of it too, and I was start like I was I heard wondering. it was three hundred and fifty hours, something like that. Yeah, that, that feature. That yeah, and so I was like, how is it possible to have shot that much? And I'm gonna see how they do. Why he's shooting that much? It turns out he just hits roll and he holds the camera on his shoulder and so just right. wastes film. They just <laughs> wait. He just walks in circles around the. They shot on location, so. He'd be on, is just in a school, or was in a, you know, in rooms, in, in a location, he would just walk in circles, he'd just think about what he wanted to do out loud, and that's his process, was just <laughs> walk in circles, talk to himself, and then try to just like sh figure out maybe a shooting this type of coverage, kind of maybe I'll shoot low and I'll get on my knees, maybe I'll just shoot from this angle. While he just looks over into the sky, and uh, all this while rolling 35 millimeter film. So they would go through about, you know, they'd have one minute of usable footage, and then nine of it was just him walking around mumbling and <laughs> not cutting. They had to get that B roll. <laughs> yeah. Great. He insisted on operating too, and he was not a, you know, young buck. He, he was like, he was having issues. But I commend him for also. Operating on hardwood floors, handheld camera with like ginormously loud cowboy boots every day showed up to set <laughs> with cowboy boots, clomping and stomping during the takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, well, it was 
You know what was, what was funny? I remember working on one of those NYU shorts that we all did and didn't get paid for. And I remember the director was this like total hipster douchebag. And he was more concerned with how his hat looked. Like he'd be looking in the monitor like and that his jeans were sagging properly. Like forget the film. Like you know, Was he was on like, camera? No. So how is he monitoring himself? Well, I don't know. He, he, looked at, or he looked in a mirror or whatever. He was, just, he was very concerned that his he was, hat was... He was watching a monitor, but really he was looking at his own reflection yeah. in the monitor. Yeah. Like he wanted to make sure <laughs> he looked the monitor. good directing. So not what he was directing. Forget that. Because it was obviously the most ridiculous piece of crap. But, you know. Oh, you um, got to head out? It's getting close for my plane, yeah. All right. Let me, uh, we'll, uh, okay, let me stop we'll say goodbye to Eddie and we can We're continue. We're going to say goodbye to uh, Eddie here and um, we'll end this Uncle Eddie. episode, Uncle Eddie, and uh, thanks a lot for being on. Spur of the moment type stuff. Sure. All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs>